Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the podcast, a little nonprofit news feed, nonprofitnewsfeed.com, serving up some summary news from the nonprofit sector. This is for the week of September 27th. Wow. Last week of September. It came really quickly. Happy fall. Fall to you, Nick. All right. What do we have on our at a glance here? Sure. So our first story comes from the Giving Block, which is a cryptocurrency giving solution for nonprofits. Full disclosure, they are a client of Whole Whale. But the Giving Block has announced that it expects to process over $100 million in crypto donations in 2021. These are charitable donations via cryptocurrency. And it expects that number in 22 to surpass that exponentially even. Um, so this is big news. Um, as the trend of major nonprofit organizations accepting crisp cryptocurrency donations continues, nonprofit fundraising professionals, like you have to be <laughs> on top of the game and prepare for a rise in donations via crypto, people looking to donate via crypto. And this particular article calls out that um, the generations really driving this surge in donations via, via cryptocurrency are millennials and Gen Z. And George, to me, this looks like one of those industry level shifts that we like to keep track of here at the podcast. Yeah, I think the point here is this is not going away. This trend is going up. Think again to, if you can remember back when mobile giving was on sort of the the radar being like, what? People are going to give on their phones, on their cellular devices, and every year tick up a little bit more, a little bit more. People got used to it. People got comfortable. More people had uh, cell phones and cell phones that they were comfortable buying stuff through. Now, foregone conclusion. And this is very much the same, but more exciting because it taps into a different pot of money, a different uh, whole asset class here. And, um, you know, there are big numbers being pushed around talking about what's going to be coming in 2022 and beyond. Uh, some other nuance here is that organizations using the Giving Block, according to the data from Giving Block, have raised an average of 50,000 in cryptocurrency donation in 2021. And you know, it, it seems pretty straightforward. You know, you put this as an option to give, and, and people that are having these, you know, outsized returns on uh, crypto financial investments are then looking to say, "Hey, um, I know I have a big tax bill coming, but." And if I donate my cryptocurrency, that essentially is that gift, which is uh, something that can be deducted from my taxes. And it's something that's going to become more and more commonplace. We're seeing a lot more. And I'm excited because it means more money for nonprofits and great causes. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Our next story 
is also about money to nonprofits, which is always good. And we wanted to report this out just because the number is quite big, that a bunch of private foundations, um, including the Gates Foundation, Bloomberg Philanthropies, and other um, giant philanthropic foundations and organizations of the sort, announced during the United Nations General Assembly, which convened in New York last week, um, they announced sweeping investments in protecting things like global infrastructure around nutrition, vaccine access, and climate mitigation. Um, So, of course, this is in line with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, um, which seeks to kind of guide global response to large global systemic problems. But this is big because the investment is in the billions. That's a ton of money, of course, dispersed over time. But um, I think it shows increasing alignment between um, both global priorities as well as private foundation priorities. And I think even more interesting is um, kind of the three topics that are at the forefront here, and that is nutrition, um, particularly helping communities that are mal or undernutrition, um, uh, that have mal or undernutrition or undernourished communities, um, related to an issue that's been exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, vaccine access, which, of course, directly related to the pandemic, and then climate mitigation as well, which kind of goes up and down the ladder is every aspect of, of society and development is directly impacted by climate in one way or another. And we keep get re- getting reminded of that every so often here in the United States even, and we're even not as vulnerable as, you know, much, much poorer countries, quite frankly. Um, so really cool news um, to, to come out um, in line with the UNGA, and we'll see where this goes. Yeah, the the breakdown is really helpful, especially when you're talking about the the sustainable development goals and the the new narrative, the leading narrative, it seems, from your your summary here, which is around the climate. Because guess what? The young people inheriting this earth are beginning to raise their hands saying like, hey, question. Um, It seems like we're melting. It seems like things are getting hotter. And it seems like that is having a deleterious impact on guess what? Nutrition on uh, uh, a number of these other goals, and so it, it seems like you know you're seeing this type of answer being uh, committed, or I'd say this type of pledge being committed in the, the billions. I, it's hard to keep track. It's like this Bezos Earth Fund earmarked a billion, uh, part of a ten billion Bezos pledge to fight climate change. It's good. It means that they're. Uh, they're marshalling resources to uh, confront an uh, existential problem. Absolutely. This is definitely a good thing. Of course, mitigating climate crises requires a lot of additional other things like economic and political will, but anything to point the ship, the massive ship, <laughs> in the right direction, however, however roundabout a way we're going to get there, is important and worth it. 
This week's sponsor, none other than Whole Whale, a digital agency helping social impact organizations build traffic and measure impact. However, they also have an amazing new tool, the Inclusivity Crawler, the inclusivity tool that helps you find language that may be offensive to some of your stakeholders and shareholders. It looks through issues of ethnicity, race, gender, health, wealth, religion, and a number of other isms, frankly, that maybe you didn't have in mind when you wrote that content last year, last two years, a decade ago. The inclusivity tool will go through a page or even your entire website if you need it and help you find language and replace that language with the kinds of words that will be welcoming. Inclusivitytool.com. Again, that's inclusivitytool.com. And now back to our show. For our summary, our first story is a follow-up, actually, coming out of Afghanistan. And really, uh, a really interesting piece in the New York Times from the past couple of days that talks about the plight of nonprofits, small NGOs, um, trying to get out of Afghanistan. And, you know, we, we talked about this a lot on the podcast about um, nonprofit efforts to evacuate Afghans, but this article really focuses on nonprofit efforts to get their own people out of the country. And it's almost... I mean, it, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, um, a lot of the stories highlighted here, nonprofit workers, I mean, they basically have to go into, you know, back channels and underground railroads to, you know, get their own people into safety. And a lot of people doing really, really valuable, important, and quite frankly, dangerous work in, in the face of the, um, uh, you know, rise of the Taliban. But um, really worth reading and... Um, goes to show how how truly brave these people are um, in a way that I, I will never be able to comprehend myself. There's a quote in here, um, and it's from a photojournalist. Uh, she's saying it's like the Underground Railroad and talking about uh, how they, um, the founder here of Too Young to Wed and, and in 2014, uh, helping end girls and end child marriage. Uh, but uh, orchestrated safe passage for 45 folks from Afghanistan to Pakistan. And, you know, goes on to say small grassroots NGOs are the ones moving mountains and doing the heavy lifting to get people to safety. You know, we talk about the, you know, couple trillion that the U.S. levied in terms of the war machine to do the, the type of, uh, we'll generously call it operations in Afghanistan, but the real nation building, the real work on the ground. Uh, you know, now they're being left, nonprofits are being left to, to you know, per usual figure it out themselves, but in, in a war zone and in a, in a situation where it's hostile territory, they're being targeted, they're getting death threats. And this is a, an important article to, to look at and to realize the important work that nonprofits play on the ground, regardless of whether or not, frankly, it's safe. So I, I you know, applaud the work and pray for the safety. Yeah, George, that's a good point. Um, the U.S. State Department's not there. Even the CIA has taken its people out. The only people left are those small NGO people. Um, so, yeah, our, our our thoughts go out to them and, again, applaud the amazing work and just want to highlight how challenging it is. 
Our next article, turning back towards the nonprofit fundraising angle, is that this comes from nonprofitpro.com. The National Philanthropic Trust, NPT, uh, which is an independent public charity that manages donor-advised funds, granted $6.46 billion on behalf of its donors in fiscal year 2021, representing an increase in value of 179% compared to fiscal year 2020. And I think the takeaway here, George, is that you know we have, and as we've talked about, so much money locked in these DAFs, um, and, you know, pros and cons to that. But it seems like in the last year, the disbursement of these funds has actually increased in a meaningful way. Yeah, you're going to notice that we pay a lot of attention to DAFs because, you know, there's over 120, 130 billion, depending on the most recent update and how the market's doing, frankly, uh, of money. Uh, we'll use the words locked, reserved, trapped held hostage. I don't know. Words. These are words. I'm using words. Uh, But I like looking at year-over-year increase. So when you see numbers from a DAF being donated and they're announcing like X number of billion, I highlighted this one because I like the year-over-year growth. I want to see growth in the rate of giving because guess what? If the market's returning 17% this year and you're celebrating the fact that you gave away a billion dollars, yet you made 10 inside of a donor-advised fund that's supposed to be distributed to help the social impact sector and needs that are now not uh, supposed to be compounding in an account. Um, Clearly, I'm hiding the way I actually feel about this. Uh, I like seeing this rate of increase and the rate of giving increase um, to at least at the bare minimum match the the rate of appreciation in public markets. Absolutely. That's a good take and perspective to have. Our next story, changing gears again, we're going back to space, or I've never been there, but other people have gotten to go. And this story is that SpaceX's Inspiration4 campaign uh, surpassed its goal of fundraising $200 million for St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. Uh, this is an awesome story. Um, so SpaceX, of course, the private space company, had its first uh, totally civilian space flight um, just a couple days ago. And uh, in the process, they were able to run uh, raise $222 million for charity. And George, I don't know about you, but in the whole, you know, space commercial space flight race, you got uh, Richard Branson and and Jeff Bezos. And I kind of like this one. I like the nonprofit angle here. What is different about this one versus, you know, um, I, I'm not going to throw shade on anyone like donating nonprofits and whatnot, but this was built into the narrative, the fundamental piece here. St. Jude was part of sort of this, um, this incredible epic launch uh, from, from the beginning. And actually um, somebody, you know, literally with a sweatshirt on saying St. Jude is in the capsule, right? They're, they're up there doing it and they're raising uh, millions of dollars for St. Jude. And so uh, also here, the, the Twitter thread, um, if you go to the link in the article, uh, <laughs> inspiration for uh, welcome back to earth um, on the folks that flew. Our mission doesn't end here. 200 million fundraising goal for St. Jude. Um, Elon Musk just replies, count me in for uh, 
50 million. That's it. That's just a tweet. That's, um, if all pledges were that easy, huh? Anyway, uh, it's good to see St. Jude getting uh, recognition and revenue out of this uh, monumental event. I agree. Go space, go St. Jude. All right, I can finish us off with, that was a pretty feel-good story, but I have another one for you, and I think this one's really interesting. This story is about two Georgia teachers who launch a nonprofit to make science more relatable for students of color. Um, So these teachers found that their students, particularly in a high school, were, were not as engaged with material as they should be. And the school, made up of roughly 95% of Black students, um, the teachers felt that the the material, particularly those in the textbooks, were not culturally relevant and weren't engaging students as they should. So they launched a nonprofit and they started making videos and resources and materials and launched something called Culturally Relevant Science, uh, which is on essentially an online learning hub for exactly that, culturally relevant videos on a wide range of subjects um, and just making... Uh, learning more engaging for students. And I I love this. It's, it's so important. And I have a little bit of a teaching background and being able to relate to students is one of the most important things when it comes to education and being able to help them engage with material and find ownership and see themselves and the relevance of what they're learning can go such a long way to helping get those students where they want to go. So this was really awesome. I love this. Yeah, and I like the idea of creating content that can be used and reused by by other educators out there rather than necessarily siloing it, but it does take funds. They are fundraising and they are um, almost at their complete goal. So go chase down the link in the notes and you know, throw, them, throw, them, throw them some dollars. I'm going to make a donation right now. Hold on. All right. Well, maybe I'll wait till the end of the podcast. All right. Nonprofitnewsfeed.com. Free weekly summaries of the best news from the best sector. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to Greg Thomas Music.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 